water. Welcome, everybody, to another edition, finally, of the Tookie's Take podcast. After an unplanned week away, before a planned week away. It's unfortunate how that works out. We missed both shows last week because I was sick. The fiancé, who I have mentioned before, is a music teacher, uh, enlisted me to be the audio technician for her school's winter concerts. And I can only suppose being around that many small children (laughs) immediately made me sick because that's all kids do is Mm -hmm. make adults around them sick. And it sucks. Like I'm I'm sitting there at the back of the gym the entire time. The only thing I can think is there was a five minute span where all the kids were in all the band kids were in her classroom and I was in that room too. And that five minutes was all it took to get sick. Yes. Monsters. All of them. So they cost us a week of the podcast, unfortunately. And today we will do our best to catch up on the events of the past week in the hockey world. And then this Thursday. We'll be back for what will pretty much be our final show of 2022. Like I said, very unfortunate timing uh, with getting sick. But on Thursday, we're going to take a look back at some of the biggest news stories in the hockey world from the past year. And that'll pretty much bring us to the end of 2022 as I'll be unavailable next week. I'm taking a week off for like the first time that doesn't involve travel to like Vancouver or Finland or anywhere else in the U.S. Really. Like those have been the only times I've taken time off. I sent for you from a content creation standpoint. Hello, by the way. Hi. From a content creation standpoint, how much time have you ever just taken off and just been like, I'm not making videos. Granted, you don't stream as much, but I'm not making videos. I'm just I I need some time. Um, well, in the past fucking months, um, but that was also <laughs> when I was an alcoholic. So, uh, <clears throat> that was before I actually got serious about YouTube. That was like 2014, 15, even before even parts of 16, me. No, that was when I got sober. Um, so yeah, yeah. I just like disappear for fucking like a month. <laughs> no, no explanation. No, nothing. Um, but yeah, since then, uh, I know in 2018, I took some time off after my mom passed away. I took like mm. at least a few weeks. I can't remember how long exactly, but obviously I was not in a place where I felt like I could give energy into making good content. Right. Um, yeah. Other than that, just, you know, a month off when I was in Finland, that was only supposed to be two weeks, but you know, I fell in love with that place. <laughs> <laughs> that you did. That you did. You know, it's kind of my point there. It's so difficult when you're in the routine of being a content creator. It's so difficult even to just be like, yeah, it's the holiday season. I'll take time off. Like, that's a tough decision to make. Like, even now, I'm just like, well, I could technically bring my entire work set up like I do when I, you know, it, it, at, you know visiting my parents and set up in my mom's freaking arts and crafts room, for God's sake. Um, but this time, I'm trying to make the... The tough decision of just like, no, I, I will bring the Xbox for entertainment purposes, but I'm I'm leaving. I'm leaving the PC. I'm leaving it all. Very tough. I kind of like you mentioned, right? Like outside of travel or something more serious. It, it's very difficult to kind of just be like taking a break. So, yeah, I've tried to get myself more into a habit, like sometimes between franchise series, I'll take like a week off just mm. to, for one, get the roster set up for members and another just like to just reset. Sometimes it's nice. 
Yeah, it's not a very uh, not a very easy move and decision to make. But yeah, so Thursday should be our final show of the year. Like I said, we'll take a look back at 2022 as the year was. And we'll be back in early 2023, which is less than two weeks away. That is mind-boggling, really. And Sam, before you know it, it's going to be mid to late February. We're both going to be in Finland again. Yeah. Crazy. Crazy how fast it goes. That said, hello to Endo Mills as well. Our resident uh, snack connoisseur on this podcast. Hi. What's on the menu today? (laughs) Uh, Pasta with some Parmesan in it and some some nice like tomato sauce, all that, all that good stuff. Viewers can see this. It looks beautiful, nice and orangey yellow, orangey red. Sorry. It's nice. Tastes really good. Uh, I can just eat pasta and sauce for like the entirety of the rest of my life. Honestly, it's good. Good. I'll die. The, the carbo loading endo mills. Always a delight. <laughs> With that, though, speaking of something that's always a delight, we have to, of course, mention our lovely sponsor of the Tukey's Take podcast. As always, it is our friends at Manscaped. It is not too late, although it might be. I mean, the time of recording, we're five days out from Christmas. It might be a little bit late, but if you miss that window of opportunity, well, the window of opportunity in general is always open. There's never a bad time to go to manscaped.com. To use code TUGI, T-O-U-G-I-E, at checkout for 20% off your order and free shipping. There's never a bad time to do it. It's not just the holiday season where cylindrical deodorant is going to benefit you. That's a 24-7, 365 kind of deal. Not even including leap years. It's next year a leap year. When's the next leap year? I don't care. It's never a bad idea to go to manscaped.com to use code TUGI at checkout to get 20% off your order. And free shipping for all the lovely products that they have. Whether it comes down to the weed whacker for those pesky nose and ear hair. Whether it comes down to the wonderful lawnmower 4.0. To help take care of your balls and general groin region. Fun fact, the fiance and I started watching The Sopranos. Now why? I don't know. I think in a general sense... We got HBO Max because she wanted to watch some of the Christmas movies on there. And then we were looking for a new show to watch. And she, I'm like, pick three off of the list. Sopranos is on there. I'm like, yeah, we're doing it. And it's season one. Tony Soprano calls his groin region. He mentions his basket. Never a bad time to tend to the basket. As I will be calling the crotchal region from now on. Never a bad time to tend to the basket either. Manscaped.com. Code to get checkout. 20% off free shipping. You know the deal. We thank Manscaped and we thank you for supporting the podcast. Gentlemen, shall we get to some viewer questions? I feel like it's been oh so long. Yes. Since we've heard from our, our fine, fine viewers and listeners. Again, as always, whether or not you are watching this on YouTube or listening on the audio platform of your choice, there is a link in the description to go to the Discord. Go to the viewer questions section like these fine people did, and we'll start off with one Steel Devil. What GM do you think has done the best job over the past decade? Well, I don't really know the standpoint of General Motors and how well they've done. Uh, Might be doing better than Tesla right about now. Um, Maybe not, but then again, that stock's falling pretty hard. But the whole market is, it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> Every company falls 55% year on year at some point. 
Uh, <laughs> only only the scams. Yeah, god damn. Uh, so I, I did kind of the, the cheat sheet for this, right? Like, if we're thinking of the past decade, that still includes 2012, of course. I think you have to look at the teams that won multiple cups in that time to define who would be the best GM, right? So, you know, on the bubble is Los Angeles, if you wanted to include that 2012 kind of run and, of course, winning in 2014. <clears throat> you could include Chicago's management for the 2013 and 2015 cups. You could include Pittsburgh's front office for, you know, the back-to-back cups. Or there's the winner for me, which is Tampa. Three or four cup final appearances in this, in less than a decade. They lost to Chicago in 2015, won back-to-back cups, and then lost in the cup final to Colorado this year. I mean, if any fan base would just be like, yep, I wish that was the front office that was leading the way. Two different GMs, though, in that situation. Now, see, you beat me to the kind of hang-up on that, and maybe that's what disqualifies them. I have a because dark horse. There's always, finish, that com- point. there's always that conversation. I can't wait to hear who you're going to bring up. There's always that conversation between when a GM swap happens. Do you give credit to the guy who built the team? You know, do you discredit someone because they inherited a large amount of options? Like people love to discredit Peter Shirelli for the 2011 Bruins team because let's be honest, a lot of those key players, he's not the one that drafted, you know, Bergeron before the lockout, obviously Marshan, Lucic immediately after. So I'm intrigued that uh, I'm intrigued at your dark horse for this one. Vancouver Canucks for giving us all the laughs and memes. No, but seriously, um, Dallas Stars. And here's my reasoning for this. They, while in the midst of needing a clean, probably a rebuild, they didn't. They've been able Mm. to replenish um, and be a consistently competitive team. Obviously, they have that, you know, cup run, but they've always been pretty strong. Sagan and Ben, when they, you know, were first kind of uh, starting out there, were tremendous and they dropped off, but they're starting to have a resurgence again. My thing, though, Rupe Hintz was drafted, what, 42nd overall or 46th overall? He just signed long-term for an amazing deal. They essentially Mm. have a new one C that's they they've when's the last time we've seen a a team switch cores this quickly. You had the Sagan Ben years and now all of a sudden their second fiddle to guys like Rupe hints, the entire Finnish mafia over there, Robertson. Uh, They signed Pavelski and all. I mean, think of that team. You have Rupe hints, Hockenpah, Kiviranta, uh, Haskinen. And there's one more I'm forgetting uh, a fin on that. But they've essentially gone from old core to new core without any real teardown or thing in between. And they're consistently being a contender. They have Jake Ottinger, who's a fucking elite goaltender minimum, maybe franchise signed to a pretty good deal. Jason Robinson on a steal now. This team's not going to go the away. second he signed it. <laughs> yes, yeah. I mean that that's like my dark horse. I'm, I'm that's just what I'm thinking. I don't know, man. Like when I the more I think about how Dallas has sort of managed things, they were in such a rough situation with Ben and Sagan. They're still mm. fine, and that's pretty damn good. You know, just get the owner to shut up and let the GM do things. And you know, to that point, Jim Nill's been the GM there, I believe, since 2013. Okay. So I think he's I think he's right now I'm trying to think of who else might be the longest <laughs> tenured GM in the league right now, but 
it's it's a tough uh, you know tough question to answer in general right because there's so many of those different factors like do yeah. you automatically disqualify gms who don't have a cup you know do you disqualify a team where it's like well you had a change in you know who the gm was for portions of that success like tampa did and steve eiserman leaving uh it's it's tough it's you know it just really does depend on how you want to quantify it and the funny thing i think you could almost retroactively like 10 years from now, say we're talking about the two Dallas Stars Cups of the 2020s, do you retroactively go back and say, well, Jim Nill built, you know, built those teams? And, Absolutely you know, could. So like, is it fair to answer who the best GM of the past decade was until you're like further than a decade removed from that era? Like right now is a good time to answer who the best GM of the 2000s happened yeah. to be because there's enough time removed from it. And we would have been able to see, you know, kind of what GM, you know, what, what teams were able to do that GMs at the time built. So honestly, I think that's my new answer. Sin. I think you won me over just off of the Jim Nil conversation alone. I don't have an answer because I think it's too early. And cop oh. out. Just kidding. <laughs> it is. I was about to say, Endo, am I just a bitch who can't answer the question? As you're muted because you're eating pasta while recording, but we love yeah, because anyway. I'm a, I'm a hungry motherfucker. That's exactly why. Uh, I was gonna say, um, I have no answer either. So like, I don't know, man. I'm look I'm looking through everything right now to see who was what and what was who, and I can't find an actual list of who was GM for that team. Yeah. So. Yeah, I think um, there is like what is it? NHL Trade Tracker is one of my favorite sites because you can sort uh, trades by GM, and it'll kind of give you. Actually, yeah, that that is the it's NHLTradeTracker.com, and it will give you a list of every team's uh, GM and their their history. But you know, so if we're talking about the 2010s, not to go through it, like. You know, there's the Bob Murray's of the worlds in, right. in Anaheim. I, I do have an answer, and it's clearly Peter Shirelli. Um, but, you know, then you get into... There's a lot of meme picks that you could get into, by the way. Do you remember the uh, one year of Patrick Waz, the GM of the Colorado Avalanche? Because I don't. I only remember him as the what? coach. Maybe he maybe he was coach and GM at the same time? Weird. I think so, Yeah. <clears throat> Bob but Murray apparently, the Ducks is another meme pick. God, yeah, right? <laughs> in a lot of ways. Uh, and to confirm, yeah, Jim Nill has been the, G- uh, the GM in Dallas since 2013, which is frankly kind of crazy. But yeah, that's a very that- loaded question. But honestly, I-, I like where we ended up with that little, that little discussion. From RG Dust, thoughts on the Cam Atkinson for Jake Voracek trade now. Side note, will any of you be going to see Avatar The Way of Water? Is that blue person Avatar or uh, anime Avatar? <laughs> uh, blue person Avatar. Yes, then I will. Basketball playing Smurfs. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that's what someone in sixth grade told me it was. And I'm like, all right, I'll, I'll take your word for it. And I watch it. And I'm like, yeah, that's just basketball playing Smurfs. I'm not going to watch Doing it. it in the ponytail, blue person. Oh, Jake Sully. That shit was hot. (laughs) What the fuck? (laughs) I'm a man of refined tastes, Endo. Apparently. Fucking Jesus. God. Dude, just just 
You ever banged in nature, man? You should do it sometime, Endo. <laughs> Oh, I'm drinking, buddy. Come on. Oh, God. <laughs> An answer that would have only come from the Californian. Although, yes. uh, in oh fairness, it's a, it's a woodsy area around these parts as well, so no further comment. Um, in a general sense, though, uh, your thoughts on Avatar? Like, because I, I didn't watch it in theaters. I watched it when it came out on DVD back in the day. Eh. Hmm. Like, it's just... To me, it was just such a generic storyline. And like James Cameron movies, like box office wise, you know, it'll always kind of go a little bit better because someone likes Sin. It was just like, yeah, I guess I'll go see it eventually. Um, I don't know, man. Like for James Cameron, like you're talking aliens, you're talking the Terminators, the early Terminators, the good Terminators. There's just something about Avatar where it was just almost too formulaic of... Yeah. Here's the soldier doing a job for his country, but then he becomes attached to the people, and the people feel betrayed, but then he saves the day. Yeah, no, like, I can man, see Like, man, like, I watched the fucking Atlantis, the Disney movie, <laughs> as a kid. That was the same fucking storyline. That's the same storyline and everything. That's the storyline of Oliver and Company. Like, like, I just, I don't know, man. I don't know. I found it way too formulaic. And it wasn't enough to be like, ooh, pretty. The only memories I have of that are the memes. The Jake Sully shit, as Endo mentioned. Ooh, like, Jake Sully. The typical evil white man in this fucking <laughs> mech as the villain. <laughs> it's just like, Bezos. Just it's, it is. I it just is. Like, yeah, I just like the parallels. Um I think if you the, the obviously the movie, yes, it is generic, but it's good at making uh, parallels to the real life and sending a message of like, hey, maybe stop raping the natural world and everything that lives there. It's just a metaphor. And that's what I really like, you know, movies with metaphors. So I think it's a catered to a mo more simplistic type side to try to get that message across in the biggest way possible of stop going to these foreign areas and trying to take advantage of, you know, those, you know, natural inhabitants. Like it's fucking heartbreaking. They burn down their goddamn tree, dude. You fucking fuck, you know, <laughs> Land, you goddamn fuck. natural resource pillaging United States Army. I mean, World Defense Coalition, whatever the hell they're called. That. <laughs> you fuck, fuck <laughs> me. Fuck me. You know how many U.S. soldiers were assigned to guard poppy fields in Afghanistan? A lot. What happened mm. next? The opioid ex epidemic. Mm. Connect the dots, people. True. Wake up, Avatar. people. Wake up. <laughs> We're continuing the bit from last time. You're kidding me? That guy loves opioids. He's not, fucking, <laughs> that's why, that's why he's not calling that out. I'm calling out to get my fuel. This is a real conspiracy. He only deals in fake ones. <laughs> Give me my gamer fuel. <laughs> Alex Jones branded gamer fuel. <laughs> Always the libs your testosterone so you can make you kill your enemies any harder. Own the libs in the online lobbies. <laughs> <laughs> oh man uh shout out to our shout out to avatar where everyone got fucked in a variety of different ways um so yeah. the cam atkinson jake voracek trip. <laughs> 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 how rg just just snuck in an additional question that he knew would make us go on a tangent oh, oh my god that was, was that was beautiful that was beautiful so 
originally, this was a one-for-one -one trade in July of 2021. Cam Atkinson is out for the season. He has not played this year due to a neck injury. Jake Voracek is currently out injured, presumably for the rest of the year. Maybe his career potentially over due to concussion issues. Uh, so the thoughts on the trade, I want to cry. Um, it sucks a lot. I mean, you know, if you want to be, like, brutalist about it, like, it, it benefits the Flyers to not have a player like Cam Atkinson because it's better for them to be bad right now. And for Columbus, it's just another swift kick in the nads as that fan base has gotten all season long as they went from having a tremendous amount of hype because, holy shit, Johnny Goodrow came here, and now everyone's hurt. Wierenski, six months, just everyone's hurt. So, uh, yeah, my thoughts on that trade, I'd like I'd like to cry. And, um, yeah, unsurprisingly, I, you know, less to say about this than Avatar. <laughs> Can't have shit. Everyone in Ohio. loses. Yeah, can't have shit. No, the in only Ohio. thing you can, <laughs> the only thing you're allowed to have in Ohio is fucked weather, tornado winds, <laughs> fucked weather, opioids, and Alex Jones G fuel. <laughs> <laughs> the three staples of Ohio. <laughs> the four, the three horsemen of the apocalypse. What's the fourth oh, one? We need one more. Jeez. The gay frogs. The gay. Frogs. <laughs> <laughs> the four pillars of Ohio. Bad weather, Alex Jones, G Fuel, <laughs> opioids, and Ohio State football. Oh, H. Oh, Someone man. said IO on the other side of that, and I respect you. Wasn't one of these two, though, because college sports. I Who really cares. I can, I can get on about something else related to Ohio, but I won't. I don't know if Chilson listens to this podcast, but no, it's always no, like, say no, it, no. say it, say it, say it. No, 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 it's all good. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, God. And our final question comes from Broken Wheelchair. Who will be the next NHL head coach to be fired? So, again, I did kind of a little bit of research. You have the bottom feeders, which right now, from 32nd up, Chicago's dead last abysmal by design change your logo and get a new owner still so if they change their head coach whatever Anaheim probably I mean again they're in that bottom feeder category any of these teams could change head coach at any time Columbus San Jose Arizona San Jose just hired Quinn he's probably not going right. anywhere and for most of these teams there's no urgency because at this rate you're bad you might as well be as bad as you can be to get a better draft pick and have a you know a better shot at getting Connor Bedard, Matt Bevichkoff, whoever. Then, in between what I've ranked as those bottom feeders and the disappointments, there's Philadelphia, where John Tortorella is currently waging the war of the locker room, <laughs> the culture war of the locker room, after he scratched team leading scorer Kevin Hayes uh, because of a perceived like lack of effort defensively and stuff like that. This is a long-term play by him to try and get the locker room and the, the effort and the culture of the team where he wants it to be, although he might not be there long-term. <laughs> you have no idea, right? I mean, it would be smart, I think, for Philadelphia to keep him long-term, but who the fuck knows? It's Philadelphia, and their fucking opinion changes like the goddamn weather. There's the disappointments. Ottawa, Nashville, Florida, St. Louis, Calgary, all much lower 
in the standings than you would suspect. I would put Ottawa at the top of this list, although St. Louis is kind of right there too, where it's like, okay, maybe a change is necessary. Calgary, they're all kind of in the same ranking, really, for Florida. I mean, they just hired a brand-new head coach. I wouldn't suspect that. Yeah. And then there's Vancouver. Yay! Where last night fans were chanting, sell the team after they got blown out by St. Louis on home ice. And then there was this from earlier in the week. Uh, Elliot Friedman, 32 thoughts. Canucks are not interested in a rebuild or a teardown, but they are interested in changing their mix and breathing new life into the team. So they have indicated <laughs> they have one untouchable, Elias Pettersson. Damn. I'm sure the fifth retool will be just what you need. Holy shit, though, man. Like, the idea of, like, well, if the off was good enough, we'll listen to Quinn Hughes deals. Are you insane? <laughs> and then Frank Saravalli mentioned that the Canucks offered Bo Horvat just over $5 million a year for eight years in the summer that he rightfully said no to. Yeah. And now he's one of the highest scoring players in the NHL. Bet on yourself. That's all it is. The so fucking Aaron Judge of the NHL this season, Bo not Horvat. Only, not only bet on yourself, get the fuck out of Vancouver. Yeah. You know, exactly. As a pending UFA, you're hearing the same shit you've been hearing since you got there about, well, we don't want to rebuild or retool. We just need to get the right pieces into the mix. You're about to lose one of those. Yeah. You're about to lose your fucking captain. You're about to lose your job. Get this damn how, I, I'm just curious. Like, how the hell did they not find success with, like, Horvat and Pedersen down the middle? You always hear you build a championship team from down the middle. Here's why they signed JT Miller long term instead of selling him. And that man is proving that he has no interest in playing defense. And then you have Bo Horvat, who's an incredible two way center. And now entering his prime has this insane offensive production. You're going to lose him. And they are. just re-signed Brock Besser. And we've already heard that his name is out there in trade rumors and that his agents allowed to explore a trade. So, Lowell, if they trade Quinn Hughes, I'm surprised that he's not listed as an untouchable. That's kind of crazy. 27 points in 27 games for Quinn Hughes, by the way. Yeah, it's pretty good for a defense. All assists, too. <laughs> Jake Voracek <laughs> method. Um, man, just, I, I don't get it, right? It's that idea of, okay, we need a change in the mix, but you didn't sell JT Miller. You just re-signed Brock Besser, and you're already talking about moving him, and then you didn't re-sign Bo Horvat. You lowballed him. They he's making five and a half now, and they offered him five one two five for eight years. And now he's again has twenty two goals in thirty one games this year, point per game player on a bad Canucks team. Yeah, with a brand new GM and Patrick Alvin leading the team, so it's not even as if it's like oh well, it's still freaking Bim Jenning leading the way. There was the entire thing with Bruce Boudreaux, whether or not they were going to bring him back, even though he almost, you know, led the charge for them getting back to the playoffs. The Canucks are, man, who can you even compare them to in terms of how bad of a spot they're in? Like, it's almost reminiscent to Montreal, where it's like, well, you know, we're too good to be bad, we're too bad to be good, then they go on the run, and you keep Bergy biceps for a little bit, and then the season was terrible, so you got rid of him, and then finally cleaned house and got all new voices in there, and it worked. 
is it an ownership thing with the Aquilinis and how they might put pressure on a GM? I mean, we know that happens. We have seen what Pierre Dorian has been able to do when he's not being micromanaged, like clearly micromanaged by Eugene Melnick, of course. Um, I I don't know. Like we've talked about the Canucks on and off, and then these news, you know, blips just keep coming out about how fucked this team is. I mean, again, like, hey, more power to you. I, I don't know how you find someone to take the JT Miller contract. But, you know, I mean, that's a $8 million for seven years extension that kicks in next year. What do you do about Bo Horvat? I mean, you could get a hell of a haul for Bo Horvat. You tell him or, you know, you tell teams that he's available. Yeah, he's the, he's the gem of the deadline. Even above someone, say, like if uh, Chickert was out there again. I don't know, man. I don't know. Canucks fans, uh, I, I'm, I'm fully with you. For a while, I said, hey, be patient. It was still early on in the season. No, nah, this team is fundamentally broken. And I don't really see how they're uh, how they're going to fix it. It's like Buffalo, kind of, at this point. Like, yeah. Remember when they had those owners? They brought in, they got all that state-of-the-art shit, and there's that team could never, ever fix anything. Fucking Jack Eichel couldn't fix things. They seem yeah. to kind of maybe be on the up-and-up now, but... They're doing that thing again where they'll win a bunch and they'll lose a bunch. And yeah, <laughs> unless they're it's wearing still the, Buffalo, unless they're wearing the the red and black goat head. Yeah, in which case they're they're pretty fucking good in that jersey. I don't know if they've lost yet. If they have, it's only been once or twice, which is hilarious. So, Canucks fan, I mean that that's my vote, right? Like Bruce Boudreau wasn't exactly the GM's choice, but probably felt the pressure to keep him on. I would be shocked if he makes it to the end of January at this rate. I wouldn't be surprised, honestly. I mean, knowing the Canucks, it'd just be like, ah, fire him over the holidays. Why not? And honestly, I mean, at that point, you got to kind of do what's right for the team. So while the optics would be bad, since when do the Canucks care about bad optics? Go ahead and get rid of him. You employed Alex Burroughs for years. Since when do you care about bad optics? Yeah. So the Canucks are screwed. Uh, water is wet. <laughs> we talked. Water is wet. <laughs> and. Uh, <laughs> And Ohio sucks. Yeah. Uh, let's move on <laughs> to a section that I have lovingly deemed stat time because there were some milestones hit. First and foremost, it happened about a week ago, or actually a week ago. Alexander Ovechkin. There was a weird cut there. Don't worry about it. Started off 2022, and you know I kind of uh, saw this in my early research for our, our you know, Best of show or talk, our most talked about topics of 2022 uh, for Thursday. Uh, started off this year very much in the spotlight for everything that's going on uh, between Russia and Ukraine, of course. Uh, but by the end of the year, uh, he has the conversation back to where I'm sure he'd prefer to have it. As he scored his 800, 800th career goal, becoming only the third player to do so in league history. Uh, the only player to do so, by the way, playing for just one team. Worth noting in terms of some of these stats, and you know, it's it's absurd. Most goals against a single franchise, Winnipeg, because of their time as the Thrasher. <laughs> just pumped them. Jesus Christ. Oh, dude. He it yeah. was oh God, Jess. Not pretty. Not pretty to watch him play Atlanta. Uh, <laughs> Unless you were uh, a Caps fan, then it yes. was pretty. Yeah. Then yes. it was great. Yeah, that was those those were the days. And then against our favorite teams, uh, had to had to note it, against the Leafs, 41 career goals. Okay. 
28 against the Bruins and only 14 against the Sharks, obviously, because, you know, Western road trips and such. So wanted to wanted to mention those. I was actually wondering if you would have more goals scored against the Leafs or uh, against the Bruins. The answer was the Leafs by a, def- uh, by a decent amount. And then some of the other numbers here are just absurd. So he scored his first goal on October 5th, 2005 against Columbus. It took him 167 games to hit 100 goals. <laughs> he do that in October of 07 against the Rangers. It took him 130 games to hit 200. Jesus. So from October of 07 to February of 09, it then took him 178 games to hit 300 from February 09 to April 2011 uh, against the Leafs. 162 games to hit 400. He did that in December of 2013 against Carolina. 168 games to hit 500. (laughs) Did that against Ottawa in 2016. 190 games to hit 600. So in between five and 600, 190 games. Uh, That was in March 2018 against Winnipeg. 155 games to hit 700 in February 2020 against New Jersey. And then 162 games between 700 and 800 when he scored on December 13th. So consistent. (laughs) So what you're basically saying is that he needs two years to beat the record. Yes. Yeah. Yes. We're going to see it happen. I, I'm, I can put money on it. I will put money up like a dollar, whatever. I'm not going to, you know, you know, just, this you know, span of games yeah. is the second shortest tied for second shortest ever between 100 goals. 100 and 200 was only 130 games. And then you had the gap between three and four and seven and eight, both at 162 games. Wow. Two seasons. <laughs> We're talking about the gap between three and four happening a decade ago. And he matched that pace between seven and eight hundred. Crazy. That is fucking absurd. The comparison to Gretzky and Howe. Gretzky hit eight hundred goals at age thirty-three. It took him two hundred and thirty-one games. Between 700 and 800 to get there. 231. Four years younger than Ovi, who did it in 162. Gordy Howe hit 800 at age 51. (laughs) 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 So his goals per game, between goals 7 and 800, Ovi's was at .62, Gretzky at .44. It just shows how dominant early on Gretzky was. The sustained fucking greatness of Alex Ovechkin on ice is unbelievable. Yeah. Again, the largest gap between 100 goals was 190 games. Whereas how many players... Like, you can imagine how high the percentage is of how many players had anywhere near 100 goals by 190 games played. And for Ovi, that was just how, how many players have a career goal in 190 games played? You know, there's going to be quite a few that don't. Yeah, it's absurd. He is 94, at least as of a week ago, was 94 
behind Gretzky. I don't know if he scored in the past week. I did see a clip that he hit the post, and you're going to see that a lot, by the way, <laughs> over the next two years. Anytime he comes close, uh, you know, he hits a post or just missed. That's going to be on Twitter. Mm-hmm. I was going to uh, say he is still he is still at 800 on the 800. dot. I think you, this will be the only time when posting post highlights is like acceptable, or if it's shinny and you're playing post. Like that's the only time right. you're going to see anyone post anything about hitting the post or crossbar or anything whatsoever. That is crazy. This it's just only, apps. Yeah, it's absurd. As I was say, this is the only time where like, uh, you know that that image where it's like, I sure to hope I w- I wish I wasn't living in like a in like a historical moment right now. I wish I I'm happy that I'm living in a historical moment right now. This is going to be mm. intense. I can guarantee you the tickets for like the next like. <clears throat> 10 games when he's like a goal away from getting it are going to be so fucking expensive. Teams are going to yeah. mark that price up so much. So the resale like market's going to be absurd. Exactly. Yeah. So if you're smart, the minute those like season tickets come out for the year, you, you fucking you go. You just do it. Yeah, I mean, we wouldn't I don't know, like would we have seen anything like that in the past decade? Because the last event like that that I can recall was when Barry Bonds was chasing the home run record. Yeah, you know, just in terms of that idea of like fans are like, we have to be here to see this happen because it doesn't happen all that often, obviously. Um, crazy thing is 62.9% of his goals have been even strength. He has 503 even strength goals, which is fourth most in NHL history. Yep. 36.5% of his goals have been power play goals. He has the most in NHL history at 292. And you have say. to wonder how many have been one-timers from the fucking face-off circle. <laughs> yeah, like I wish I had a number on that one. So many, man. Like, he's just so good. He's the best at what he does, clearly. And uh, I have also liked how he sort of evolved his game a lot more mm-hmm. over time. Like, he still throws the body, but it's nothing like he used to. He used to be like fucking wrecking ball out there, oh, just yeah. reckless abandon. Just like that was hit. That was how he played defense. I remember they used to have a thing in Washington games called the Ovech cam. And they would just <laughs> at all when he whenever he was on the ice, there would just be a little fucking like a face cam on Twitch. But it was just the camera following Ovechkin the whole time. And mm. he'd be at the top like of the blue line. He'd just be like doing circles. And then if the puck came back to the point, he'd run over and throw a hit on the guy and then just go back to just waiting. He like wasn't really defending, just waiting for the puck to like begin to exit the zone like crazy. But yeah, he's. Oh, I mean, we should see him break the record, and that's going to be fantastic. I hope he just keeps going. Worth noting, home and away goals, by the way, are almost split 50-50. Uh, 51% of his goals have been scored on the road, which is the most in NHL history, 409 of them. Then, there's this stat, which I like. How many shorthanded goals has Alex Ovechkin scored in his career? 69. Zero. <laughs> Worth 0.6% of his all-time goals. He has five short <laughs> goals. <laughs> I knew it was going to be low. Like, you don't put Ovi on the PK. <laughs> no. But apparently, it worked the, the, out a couple of times. Trotsiers, no, maybe. When they, when that's <laughs> definitely like like uh, two penalties. One's like an offset. So he gets out of the box early. And they're, they're technically down a skater. Or whatever you're just going through yeah it'd be interesting to see how those goals are scored and I, i'm assuming that when trots was coached because trots was trying to mount a center for a while 
Yeah. Uh, yeah. I well, God, that. there was a year that he led voting for both left and right wings. <laughs> because they just kept playing him in different spots in the website. It's like, I don't know what to do. Oh, man. So, Alex Ovechkin, we don't have to hype him up too much beyond, of course, the just absurdity of those stats. And you'll continue to see that stuff over the next couple of years where, yeah, it would take a very, very dramatic fall off or injury to really prevent him from tying Wayne Gretzky at this point. I mean, he's, what, 37 years old? I mean, fuck, if Wayne, if uh, Gordy Howe can hit 800 at 51 years old, I just don't envision a world where unless Obi just decides, you know what, out of respect, 893 and I'm done. <laughs> just to prove that I could have done it, but out of respect for Wayne, I'm not going to. That doesn't seem to line up with Ovi's personality no. type, but I'm just saying it would take something like that for him to not beat the record. Yeah, and I feel like Wayne would be like, get the fuck back out there and break my record. Like, Wayne's right. the kind of guy who wants to see people break his records. Like, he wants the evolution of hockey to continue and for these great players to continue to grow the game. So, Ovi's going to break it, like, unless something horrible happens. And at this point, no one, f- I don't care if, like... Do not touch Ovi. Do not. Don't you dare hit that man. Play him with Tom Wilson for the fucking forever now. Honestly, you might have to play him with the goon because there is going to be some younger, dumb guy who just want, you know, will try to make his name off of just lighting Alexander Ovechkin up. Yeah. Arbor Jack (laughs) eye. Oh. Sit Ovi in every game against Montreal from now on. It's not worth the risk of how many goals he could score. Speaking of how many goals somebody could score, Tage Thompson. From um, one elite goal scorer to another. Yeah, to the man who will eventually beat Ovi's record. <laughs> Tage Thompson. <laughs> the fourth liner turned generational talent. All it took was trading away Jack Eichel. Oh, um, my God. So these numbers for Tager are, are, are fucking absurd. Has 26 goals and 50 points on the season, making him just the fourth player in franchise history to reach 50 points in 32 or fewer games. Tage Thompson is the third player in the NHL this season to reach 50 points. The tweet is from at Saberstats, who mentions that, and they have to put in brackets and just, uh, and first non-oiler, just to show, like, literally, that's that's where fucking McDavid and Dreisaitl are now, for God's sakes. It's literally, teams are having to be like, he's the first guy not an oiler to do it. Yeah. <laughs> that's how unfair it is. It's crazy. And then he has 25 goals in his last 25 games, becoming the first Sabres player to do that since Alex Mogilny in 1993. How long ago? And the answer is not all that long ago. Were we talking about like, oh boy, Tage Thompson, what could have been had he lived up to his potential? Like, it's just insane. Like, you know, you have a prospect reach 23 years, you know, 23 years old and to have his stat line look like what it looked like. You know, the 2020-2021 season, 14 points in 38 games. And you're like, oh, okay, full season. He can be like a third line 30 point guy. And then again, last year, 68 points, and this year has 50 and 32. I don't, like, when is the last? I hope he can sustain it, too, because we've had examples of players just kind of show up, whether it be, like, super small blips on the radar, and this name's only on my mind because I was playing NHL 15 last night. Um, The 360 version. We'll be playing the shit version tonight on stream. Um, Corey Conacher. 
Mm-hmm. Where it's like, I don't know, where it's like, holy shit, is Corey Conacher the next guy? They traded him uh, to Ottawa for Ben Bishop, and bam, Corey Conacher's off the map. Or you have Jonathan Chichu, where yeah. it was a, a, a little bit more sustained, and then, oh shit, what happened? It was, yeah, when the Maurice Richard, and then regression since then. Poor I guy. just wonder for Tate, I hope it's sustainable. I'll say that first and foremost for Sabres fans. I really do. For, for the architects of the world, I hope it turns out that he's not Trayish. <laughs> I, <laughs> I I don't know, man. I just really hope it works out. Like he's 25 years old, and if he is actually at this level, I even like even someone like Ryan Johansson. Like that's even if he becomes Ryan Johansson, he'll still have a solid career. But it's like I'm kind of afraid that's what it might be, because Ryan Johansson kind of out of nowhere like just exploded for Columbus. Maybe not even to this level, and then got traded to Nashville, and was just kind of okay. Like I really hope we see this sustains greatness from Tage Thompson because it's one of the best stories in hockey this year. I mean, even if he only gets 68 points a year after this, that's still really good. Yeah. And immediately makes him worth that contract extension. Yeah. Like you mentioned the year before he had 68 points and then, yeah, I don't think he'll be able to have this kind of pace year in and year out. Mm. But at the same time for a guy who was, I believe drafted mid first, I'm going to check real quick. Uh, Tage Thompson was a late first round pick. Even better. the St. Louis Blues. He came over in the O'Reilly trade. Yeah. Late first round pick. You get a 60, 70 point guy. That's a fucking win. Like 26 in overall in 2016. That's pretty fucking good. Like this is a big <laughs> dub. When I think of one of the Sharks kind of more later mid to late first round picks, that is incredible. I think of Tomas Hurdle. He's never put up this crazy level of sustained points. Mm. He's a solid 60, 70 point guy. We fucking love him for it. If you get that from Tage Thompson, very similar player to Hurdle if you think about it. Mm. Kind of size, build, like, you know, use, can use that body quite well, can score goals, can, yeah. We'll see. It's funny. I don't like doing this because I don't like shitting on these players because, like, hey, you know, they might not, you know, be of the same, you know, the same level, been put in the same circumstances, stuff like that. But I had to look at that 2016 draft, and holy shit, it was hit or miss to begin with. You know, it's Matthews, Line, Dubois at the top, and then Pugliarvi, Olialevi, four and five. But Thompson was taken 26th. The forwards taken before him, Riley Tufty, Max Jones, Henrik Borgstrom, German Rupsoff, Julian Gauthier, Kiefer Bellows, Luke Koonin, <laughs> uh... <laughs> Michael McLeod, Logan Brown, Tyson Jost, Alex Nylander. Like, it takes until seventh overall Clayton Keller where you could start to have a conversation, and then Kachuk, Matthew Kachuk went sixth. Like, as to Sin's point, just the idea of, like, 26th overall, you get a player of that caliber. Like, God, it's a win already mm-hmm. for the Blues. I mean, sure, you traded O'Reilly and he won a fucking, or for the Sabres, you know, and you, you trade O'Reilly to the Blues and he wins a cup. It's worked out very well for them, too. But, yeah, just one of the craziest stories to think, like, oh, they traded Jack Eichel for what? But the biggest thing about that was it allowed Tage Thompson to get that ice time to turn into this. That Sabres uh, Golden Knights trade is one of the craziest ever mm-hmm. at this point already. Side note, only because I checked Twitter while we were recording. Um, we have a random tweet from friend of the show, Jay Fresh Hockey. Wait, I think I know, I think I know exactly what you're talking about. It reads as stated, five words. Wait, Risto has zero points? <laughs> yeah. 
Zero points in 25 games and a minus five for uh, Rasmus Ristolainen on the Philadelphia Flyers. Just but you know what? He's a right-hander. He's big, and he can hit. He can he's block averaging... shots, too. Like, oof. He's averaging not... one shot a game. One it's shot not a game. his role to get points. Come on, guys. He was – you know what? That was one of his, spo- his supposed upsides when he was in Buffalo. Like, I yeah. – <laughs> Uh, not to not to just have Risto catching random strays here, but it was just it was too good of a tweet to not bring up upon seeing it. And um you know, I, I had to, and the, the hockeywriters.com from May of 2013. Uh Rasmus and prospect profile, big body on the back end, intelligent puck mover, a boy amongst men. And one of the most talented defenders in this year's drafts. So, you know. Oh, uh, first, first little subsection. The Finnish pronger. Oh, no. Oh, ooh. no. <laughs> no, that's... Ooh. Well, that's he's in Philly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, NHL potential, top pairing defenseman that can play every situation and uh, quarterback a power play. God damn, how quickly things change. Uh, I feel bad for him because I'm sure he's a nice guy and it's not good for him securing the bad, good for his agent, but holy shit, Philadelphia. Uh, He's a great guy. I've heard him in interviews. He seems like it. Plus, he's finished, so he's automatically a pretty cool dude. There you go. Speaking of pretty cool dudes, Eric Carlson. Yeah. Uh, the only bright spot of the San Jose Sharks this year. <laughs> uh, reached 700 career points in the past week. His 700 point in 871 game pace is the fastest to 700 by any active NHL defender. Only raises the question uh, because it's funny. You know, in response to this on Reddit, like one of the top comments was, fuck Matt Cook. And it really does. <laughs> ra- <laughs> Which in Always. a general sense, yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, it really does raise the question of what the hell. Like he's he's great as it is. What was that next level that he was potentially robbed of by injury? Yeah. Kind of similar to Crosby in that way. Very. And Crosby's similar. still one of the best of all time. And the thought is, of course, he could have been even better had he not been hurt in that Winter Classic. Oh yeah, he was so good. He was on the NHL 13 and 14 Legends roster while he was still like 26. <laughs> Dude, Beautiful. I remember that. I used to, Carlson. I remember that mostly because I used to let my friend play with that team because he wasn't as good as me. I'd let him play with the legend team and I would play with Team Poland and we'd go 1v1 <laughs> and I, I'd usually win. <laughs> well, it's like my cousin who'd constantly play with, um, Richard, I completely sidetracked what you're talking about, Tuggy, but he would play with uh, okay. the Centennial Habs every fucking time. Mm-hmm. And every time I hop into a game now and I see that fucking toilet logo, I, I, have, I have PTSD. I, I shit you not. I have performance anxiety against the Habs. <laughs> you think it's I a just, joke? I'm being no, honest. I, no, I think a lot of people have that similar story. Like, this is, like you said, like cousin, little brother territory of like, ah, shit. You know, I gotta, I gotta handicap myself here. Yeah. Um, <laughs> my favorite story of, of that ilk is um, me and my best friends, uh, my two best friends, that we were uh, playing WWF No Mercy. And one of my friends and I played this game one summer every fucking day for hours on end because we were playing basketball and I fucked up my ankle and was in a cast all summer. Uh. So we played a lot of No Mercy. 
I also watched a lot of Trading Places, you know, the show where someone's wife went to someone else's house for a week. Oh, oh yeah. That was the only thing that was on TV in the summer, boy, and holy <laughs> hell, what a, what a summer. And wife um, swap, oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty sure My that's another friend, form of entertainment. Wife swap. Yeah. Never played. <laughs> <laughs> I just never thought I'd get a chance to mention wife swap and trading places. My friend never played No Mercy. So we did the special referee match, and I helped my friend who never played win. And my other friend stormed out of the house and did not talk to me for a week. We were 20 years old. <laughs> um, that's the best part is that you're fucking 20 oh man <laughs> eric carlson what could have been but what is and you know to that point just how he's managed since like finally because you talked about it a lot this season like how he's finally managed to like find that groove again after a couple of years of like ah oh, shit not the same the ankle's clearly not the same um but yeah 700 career assists or 700 career points just about time he had 700 career assists but awesome for Eric Carlson. Future member of the... Oh, know, who... God. If New Jersey doesn't get Quinn Hughes from Vancouver, I hope they get Eric Carlson. <laughs> oh, yeah. Quinn, yeah, they should absolutely... Oh, I'd love Quinn Hughes to go to New Jersey. Fuck yeah. Mm. Stack the deck, baby. Get the brothers. And they, they also you. have Luke. Yeah, yeah. that was, that was yeah. a common thing in this past... Uh, draft was just let's grab everyone's brother everyone's mm. brother just just have it go through yeah like taylor mccarr end up on the avs mm-hmm. i think cole sillinger's brothers on an ahl deal within the blue jackets uh, organization both of the jones are on the are on the blackhawks or mm. the chicago hockey team as some people like to call it um and yeah just it's just it's, it's insane let's you know the worst wealthy. part you know the worst part about this whole Eric Carlson thing? Shoot. What? You know where he's going to end up. I don't, though. Vegas. They always <laughs> find a way. Don't. When I there's don't. a name like this no. out there. There's don't. no way. Unless no. Because the Sharks won't do that unless we're getting a fucking boatload. And Vegas simply doesn't have a boatload. <sighs> LTIR, Weber, and Robin Leonard. What do they have to give that's worth Eric Carlson? Especially if they're going to want us to retain, which they are. Yeah, fair point there. First round what do picks. They have. Yeah, they still have their first round picks for how many years? Get five of them, and we'll talk. <laughs> <laughs> One for every remaining fucking year of Eric Carlson's contract. They still have really solid defensemen like like Nick Haig. Yo, give me Haig, White Cloud, and all your firsts. See, there you go. Done deal. <laughs> What are they going to give? Bam, we found it. There you go. I hope it doesn't happen, but it might. Uh, and then two other random stats really quickly. Uh, shout out to 41-year-old Craig Anderson, who became the second goalie since 1955 to record a 40-plus save shutout at his age or older. The only other goalie to do it is Hockey Hall of Famer Johnny Bauer, um, who recorded two different 40-plus uh, save shutouts in 1966 and... The mythical year of 1967. Ah, he said it. He said the line. (laughs) God damn it. And bingo. Um, And Kirill Kaprizov became the fastest player in Minnesota Wild history to reach 200 points. 
He did it in 168 games, whereas Marion Gabrick, who had the record, did it in 290. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the Wild really haven't had an embarrassment of riches, have they? <laughs> like at any no. point. <laughs> we've been going back through all these old EA NHL titles for the charity streams that we've been doing. Not too late to donate, by the way. Hang out twitch.tv forward slash Dookie24. And um, yeah, outside of Marion Gabarik, you will go through these teams and you'll just see these players where it's like, that that's who you had surrounding the skill? Minnesota was always one of those uh, real collection of like, oh yeah, that guy. That was for, like the entire team for the most part. Yeah. Like they had you. like last night, the fucking big surprise is like, hey, do you remember 11 games of Ilya Brzgalov as a member of the wild? No, no. I don't know too many people that do remember that, but that was a thing. I do. <laughs> <laughs> I follow Mr. Universe everywhere. There you go. Uh, Kaprizov is also the fifth fastest left wing in NHL history to reach 200 points. It's all ridiculous. Don't waste him, Minnesota. Don't waste him. Too late. (sighs) A couple of general uh, topics as well here. There was a three-team trade that happened. Um, And what a three-team trade it was. As the Detroit Red Wings traded Giovanni Smith to Florida for Michael Delzato. And then immediately flipped Michael Delzato to Anaheim for Danny O'Regan. Blockbuster. But Cap Friendly has a sorting option for three Didn't even realize trades. Michael Delzato was still a thing. Yeah. <laughs> and you believe it. And you believe it. Only 32 years old, Michael Delzato. <laughs> for Danny O'Regan. Uh, ex-Shark, by the way. Shark's oh. a legend. What the fuck? <laughs> Danny O'Regan was part of the trade that we uh, got for Evander Kane, by the way. Oh. Yeah, I think we sent we had sent over someone and a first. And I think it was Daniel Regan. Oh, God. Well, you know, whenever you talk about trades like this, I have to find out for sure. Am I Daniel Regan? Mm. A 2019 first round pick that eventually ended up in Anaheim because it became Braden Tracy and a 2019 fourth round pick that became Ethan Keppen for Evander Kane. Look at him go. Holy hell did the Sabres get fleeced, depending on what that Braden Tracy trade was. Fucking hell. Oof. Uh, that's it in terms of in terms of bringing this up, because that trade's not notable at all. But I was looking back through these three team trades, and for the most part, they recently have involved salary cap retention. Yeah. The last couple, Max Domi in March of this year, um, with the Panthers retaining salary. Him of it, you know, eventually going to the Hurricanes when I wish he was a Bruin, and then but he fucking sunk the Bruins in the playoffs. Good job, Don. You fucking idiot. Love you. Um, <laughs> I say stuff like that, and I'm just like, huh? Yeah, I've never really heard from the Bruins in any kind of official capacity. I wonder why. Uh, <laughs> there was the uh, Matthias Yanmark retained salary three team trade that involved San Jose randomly retaining salary on him. Mm-hmm. And then he went to Vegas. Um, There was the San Jose involved three team trade that involved them retaining salary on Nick Foligno so he could go to the Leafs for cheap. Yeah, we got some draft picks, though, baby. I think you got a fourth rounder that became Ethan Cardwell. So elite. He's so fucking elite. There you go. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) There was the three team trade that involved David Savard retaining salary on Detroit to go to Tampa. 
same for Robin Leonard, where Toronto randomly retained yeah. salary on Leonard, yeah. if you remember that, so he could end up in Vegas. Yeah. Like, all of these trades, for the most part, revolved in ta- uh, retained salary. Like, <laughs> I like how sorry. two of them, of course, two of them involve Vegas, who just can't fucking help themselves. Yeah. 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 Gamblers. Or like the little cousin who just wants to put their foot in everything. Just like, hey, can I, can I, can I have a little piece of this? Can I, I'll give you money. Take it. Thank you. <laughs> And then they just then they just throw away fucking Pacioretty. Sorry, mm. <laughs> yeah. Oh, we spent too much. Of Laner already uh, too, man. Jesus. Apparently. Yesterday's news. We don't like this toy anymore. So, like all of those <laughs> trades that I mentioned, <laughs> like happened. Andy from Toy Story. I don't want to play with you anymore. <laughs> <laughs> okay, go ahead. Like all of these trades have happened. With the exception of the Broussard one I mentioned last, all of those have happened in less than the past three years. Yeah. Like the yeah. three team trade has really become a more prominent thing because before that Broussard one in February of 2018, there was the three team trade in 2017 that uh, sent Matt Duchesne to Ottawa, Kyle Turris to Nashville, and uh, got Colorado Andrew Hammond, who retired uh, yesterday. Uh, bravo to a better than anyone would have thought career for one Hamburglar, Andrew Hammond. Uh, he will forever be in hockey lore for the 2015 Senators run. He, no. Curtis Lazar, eating the burger off the ice. Like those will be uh, that run and those type of moments will be something that we talk about yeah. as, you know, the hockey fans of this era. Love stories like that. Forever. Yeah. And think back to even longer when they're in the Eastern Conference and it was fucking some I forget the first name Gerber Gerber oh, and oh, Martin Gerber yeah Martin Gerb <laughs> Andrew Hammond only played sixty seven games in the NHL yeah at least in the regular season but again he has more name value than some guys who would have played three four hundred plus games the Hamburglar. There, you, there go. you go. So bravo to Andrew Hammond. <laughs> uh, that trade, by the way, also got Colorado uh, Bowen Byram. Yeah, that, and that's Samuel a... Girard. <laughs> yeah. Let's <laughs> <laughs> trade really quickly. Fuck. Let me read this off. November of 2017, Ottawa gets Matt Duchesne. Nashville <laughs> gets Kyle Turris. Colorado, Andrew Hammond. The signing rights to Shane Bowers. Bowen Byram. A third round pick that became Matthew Steenberg from Nash. That's just from Ottawa from Nashville. Vladislav Kamenev, Sam Gerard, uh, the pick that eventually became Philip Hollander. Jesus. Uh, yeah. Uh, there were, what? Six, seven different assets in that going to Colorado to wrap up my point about three team trades, though, that I found interesting, despite Colorado just robbing people blind. Um, that was in 2017. <laughs> 2016, there was a three-team trade that sent John Scott to Montreal. That was around the time I think they were trying to just be like, you can't go to the All-Star game because now you're in the East. Yep. My favorite NHL conspiracy is them just trying to fuck over John Scott. And then there wasn't another one until four years earlier. Like, it's kind of crazy to me just how recent these three-team trades are. This one in February of 2012. Colorado acquires Steve Downey from Tampa. Detroit acquires Kyle Quincy from Colorado. Tampa acquires Sebastian Peach from Detroit and a first round pick that became Andre Vasilevsky. 
Oh, man. <sighs> and then there was a three-team trade three years before that in 09. Sent Justin Williams out to the LA Kings. Worked out very well for them. Yep. And then that was the first three-team trade in 13 fucking years. <laughs> Damn. There wasn't a three-team trade between January of 96 and March of 09. I don't know if they were abolished or what the hell happened. <laughs> um, the fuck? But yeah, very, very weird. Just There are essentially more three-team trades in the past three years than happened, you know, at any time between 96 and 09, and pretty much throughout the entire course of the 90s. This three-team trade list goes back to June of 91. I mean, it makes sense. You have a lot of, uh, you know, uh, to me at least, it makes sense. A lot of stigma around, mm. uh, you know, three ways because you had the Clinton era and then, of course, the Bush era right after that. <laughs> Such a fucking Californian, Jesus Christ. Uh, and then Obama came back and we had fucking progress again, mother. <laughs> and war crimes. But- Barack <laughs> Obama saved the three ways. <laughs> Uh, let me be clear. Uh, let me be clear. I'm gonna, I'm gonna bring back the the three way. Uh, it's, it's good to share. Thank you. Thank you. You can give me credit I'll for love, that. I'll have you back. <laughs> We're gonna get that dog. <laughs> Thought out my Out beer. of all, I pussy too. <laughs> That's my favorite. <laughs> Gotta have them wings. And pussy too. <laughs> Out of all of the absurd things said on this podcast, especially in the year of our Lord, 2022, Barack Obama reviving the three-way in pop culture might be the most ridiculous. Yeah, the Obama three-way, baby. Got that pussy Pr- popping. Print it. <laughs> Sin, here's my problem. How the fuck do we continue this show after that? Like that that's the <laughs> I was sitting on event. a way to, you know, initially it was gonna be, come on, you know, of course three ways are getting more popular. It's a it's a year of it's a you know time of awakening in our culture. <laughs> I think I think we ended there. I gotta be honest. I don't I don't think we can go into talking about board ads again and Batman defending them or maybe changes to the NHL schedule and expanded playoffs. Like, fuck all that shit. We've, we've peaked. This is the perfect way to end our last regular show of 2022. His campaign slogans were, yes, we can and change. <laughs> Watch, I mean. No, it was, it was yes, we can. It's just in brackets before the yes was three ways. Yes, we can. <laughs> <laughs> we have an episode title. I'll tell you in three ways. Uh, yes, we can. Yes, we will. Uh, oh, my God. Yes, we can. Doing... And yes, we will. Kyle Dubas. <laughs> we can. We will. He wasn't talking about making the playoffs, at least. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck. <sighs> I want to thank everybody for listening or, and watching and supporting the show. People listen Again, to this. This is hundred streams, fifteen hundred downloads, wherever the fuck it was. Jesus Christ! <sighs> we need three thousand now. Apparently, there you yeah. go. We will. We will return to our previous. <laughs> we can and or, we will. <laughs> or us talking about three ways is the equivalent of us playing the fucking music while the Titanic goes down. 
<laughs> Man, you don't abandon your post. I'm just oh, fucking fuck. going. <laughs> A superior James Cameron movie. There fuck Avatar. There you go. We tied the show up with a pretty little bow. Everybody, thank you for uh, watching, listening, supporting the show in general. Again, we'll be back on Thursday talking about the biggest stories of 2022 before we take a brief little break and return in the new year. In the meantime, gentlemen, we'll throw it over to Endo Mills. What do you got going on aside from, I mean, I'm sure it'll be in the crop, um, your food behind you. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Uh, so, like, halfway through the podcast, my pizza arrived, which is why I was eating pasta in the beginning, because, you know, I got to be a, a typical paisan and just only eat carbs and bread and wonder why I'm fat. Uh, <laughs> where's I going to go with this? I don't know. Uh, I'm not streaming this week. I will be doing a Christmas stream uh, where last year I did it on a whim and I just watched Japanese game shows, like <laughs> obscure Japanese game shows, like the one where they were sitting on a box. And like you have to like bunch bunch of people just come through like do different things to the boxes to make people fall off and like last one standing wins and then you know typical one Takeshi's Castle or MXC as it's been migrated over here in North America and God that show is not aged well not I'm aged sure. well yeah MXC is is fucking oh boy uh, but yeah you can catch me Christmas Eve and Christmas Day NL Mills uh, Twitch.tv slash NL Mills. Uh, I'm dumping all my hot con, all my not hot contact, all my NHL content off my channel because I'm kind of done with hockey, and I'm just gonna upload random shit. I mean, after I had a video that got like pretty good concurrency, I'm like, yeah, fuck it, I'm just gonna do whatever the hell I want. <laughs> hey, I'm making success. Ah, fuck. Yeah, it. I had like 500 views in like three days, and I'm like, yeah, this is great progress. And I played the game for another five minutes. I'm like, yeah, I'm done. I'm not gonna do this anymore. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, so you catch me there. Uh, Sin, what do you got going on, buddy? Well, a lot of esports broadcasts, that's for sure. Catch me in two. Holy shit. With yeah. Sports Gamer. <laughs> yeah. Follow along with all the action. Twitch.tv slash Sports Gamer GG. I've also got my own YouTube channel, Sin for the Win Productions, where you can follow along with my multiple franchise modes that are running. And uh, yeah, that's 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 about it. There you go. You guys can follow me everywhere, of course, at Tookie24. We'll be streaming the final few games in the uh, EA NHL lineage over the next few nights before, again, uh, much like the podcast being on break, I'll be taking about a week off here heading in to the new year. Indeed, you can catch Sin and I on almost a daily goddamn basis over on twitch.tv forward slash sports gamer GG leading up to our lovely February journey over to the Finlands. Once again, it's going to be going to be a time it's going to be emotional thank you for supporting the podcast thank you for supporting three ways and uh <laughs> damn right oh my god you know what's, what's the last part about this this podcast was okay when it was like just the two of us Tug and i and then yeah. we had to make it a three-way to make it better so there you go there you go point and, in uh, case point in case. <laughs> thank you for listening to the light version of the steve dangle podcast <laughs> Is that because like, I'm mixed? Is that the reason why it's the light version of the Steve Dangle podcast? We've gotten that criticism before of like, really? oh yeah, you had you had the old guy on the show, and then that changed. So now what'd you do? You you brought you know. up a black guy. I love how I've just been like, out of all the shit that I bring to the podcast, which is actually which is basically nothing. It's like, oh, resident black guy. 
That's, a, that's a critique some people have. I do not view you that way. I view you as the man that I can make laugh by just stating the word three-way again, which has worked. Fuck. It worked a second that, time just, right it there. Just it just happened right... It did. It did. You got me. <laughs> wow. People suck, man. Uh, thanks for listening to the show. <laughs> we'll see you guys on Thursday. <laughs>